Welcome to the Collecting Confidence Podcast, where we'll explore confidence, what it is, why we need it, how we get it, and how we lose it. I'm John Barrett. and welcome to the Collecting Confidence Podcast. This is John Barrett, and today we're going to be talking about list making. We're going to be talking a little bit later with Marty Elberg, who is the bucket list attorney. But I want to talk a little bit about list making. I'm curious out there how many people are list makers. If you go to collectingconfidence at gmail.com, just write in, send me a note, say hi. But let me know if you're a list maker or a non-list maker. I'd like to keep a tally and see who is out there, see which group it is, if it's list makers or non-list makers that are out there. List makers, if you are out there, I apologize if any of this hits too close to home, but there are list makers and there are non-list makers. And if you do like a Myers-Briggs or some other self-study thing, you'll find that there are people are wired differently and some people love a list and some people don't love a list. And I've talked a little bit about this before. Myself, I don't much go by lists usually. When I go by lists, it's because it's become overwhelming and my wife knows I must be in trouble or I wouldn't be making a list. Whereas she likes to make a list of everything. She has a book of lists. Here are lists of possible gift ideas. Here are lists of things that people like to eat. Here are lists of this and lists of that. I just kind of wing it, make it up and and get it wrong most of the time. But that's a very different thing. For a list maker, lists give you some direction. I wake up in the morning and here are some things to do. Oh, this is great. But if you're not a list maker, I wake up in the morning and the whole world is possible. So for most of us, it's not a problem. Now, if you're a list maker, you also know that there's a a need to have some momentum in your day. You need to get some stuff done. There's nothing worse than going through the day and not checking stuff off of your list. So list makers that I have known tend to have big things and then also easy wins, low-hanging fruit, let's call them. And so you'll have save the whales, save the world, close the window. Because you want to be able to do something, check it off a list and get some momentum going because that's what list making is about. It's about doing stuff, knowing where I'm going next. I don't have to sit and think of what do I have to do. It's right there on the list. And so for a lot of people, that gives them the confidence. I know what I'm supposed to be doing next. It's on my list. I know what I can do because look at what I've already done. Keeping those old lists Sometimes people will keep those lists because that shows what I've done, what I've accomplished. Not only do I have my sense of direction, but look at all the things that I've gotten done. So it's a pretty important thing. My boss, when I worked at the hospital, was someone who really loved lists. And she didn't understand why I didn't have a list every day. And I may have talked about this before, but I was the public relations person. And so if someone got in a car accident at noon... I was there from noon until midnight dealing with that family. And I couldn't show up at 8 in the morning saying I'll be helping the Larson family with their noon car rollover because people would suspect that I knew too much. So my day had to be kind of floating, available to do whatever. But she didn't understand that and couldn't figure out how I couldn't have a list. So what I did was a to-did list. After I had done it, I wrote it down. And at the end of the day, I could show her this is what I did. And she would go, wow, that's a great list. And look at that. You've checked everything off because it wouldn't make it on the list if I hadn't already done it. Now, I know a to-did list sounds strange, but those of you that are list makers, think about this. You do a to-did list at the end of your to-do list. 
you have 10 things on your list. If you accidentally do an 11th thing, you add it to your list because you want the points for it. So you add it to your list and check it off. That's kind of the way that list making goes. I'm very curious. Send me a note at collectingconfidence at gmail.com and let me know if you're a list maker or a non-list maker. We'll keep a tally and we'll figure out which group is out there. In a little bit, we'll be talking to Marty Elberg, the bucket list attorney. So stick around. Thanks for listening to the Collecting Confidence Podcast. It's my belief that everyone has experience with confidence, and we either have the trophies or the scars to show for it. If you like what you're hearing, please subscribe and leave a review, or maybe share this with a friend who needs to hear this. If you have suggestions for the show, topics you want covered, or questions you'd like answered, or if you just want to shoot me a line, you can go to the Collecting Confidence Facebook page or contact me directly at collectingconfidence at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. And I'd love to help you. Now let's go collect confidence. All right, today I'm being joined by Marty Elberg. And Marty is a bucket list attorney. Marty, thank you for being here. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Marty, I'm very happy because I have never had someone who is a bucket list attorney be on my podcast. Can you please explain to me what that is about? Right. So now, the only reason you've never had a bucket list attorney on your show is because I'm the only one. I kind of took that phrase and, and run with it. Tell me, before we get into the rest of the stuff, what does confidence mean to a bucket list attorney? Okay. So I guess I should explain more about what a bucket list attorney is, what that means, because it it's really kind of a made up thing. So I'm an estate planning attorney and I help people put together legal documents to make sure their assets and their kids are taken care of. If something happens to them, really have to work with a lot of people that are are afraid to even talk about the subject death. So confidence goes into speaking with those people. Confidence goes into me being able to speak about death openly and not make it a morbid subject. I can make it light and on the verge of even fun. Uh, I usually have people laugh when we're talking about various situations because you you just got to lighten the mood. As an estate planning attorney, I had a business coach and I have a business coach and we went to a business conference and I got to see the bucket list guy, Travis Bell, um, do a presentation on his My Bucket List Blueprint. It's an acronym, 12 letters stand for different things and L stands for leave a legacy. And I started tying in leave a legacy with estate planning. So leave a legacy, not a mess. Make sure you have all your documents in place. And a year later, he did the same conference, uh, mentioned he was going to start a bucket list coaching program. And I was immediately, I'm on board. So followed up with him, got started with bucket list coaching. And then I just combined the two. So I say I'm a bucket list attorney. Okay. To tie it back to your confidence question. So the confidence really, it really does play a huge part in people stepping up and getting their their estate plan done because they've got to be confident that they're talking to the right person, that they've got all the right information and they're doing the right thing. So those for for planning aspects, absolute confidence. Uh, As far as confidence in doing some things that maybe we're not sure that we can accomplish, it's taking action and having success at those actions. 
So there are a lot of people out there that say you got to take massive actions and just you don't have to know what it is. Well, there are some people that could probably do that, but most people are going to require small steps, bite-sized pieces that they know they can accomplish without looking at the big picture. You look at the big picture, you say, no way, there's not a chance I can do that. But when you break it down into the small bite-sized chunks, and that's all you look at, you can get confidence to do that piece, and then you can do a little bit more, and then a little bit more, and a little bit more, and a little bit more. And then your confidence just grows, and then anything's a possibility. Mm -hmm. And I know that having lists and goals is a great way to do that. Can you explain um, how, how you use lists and goals? in your life. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Before I met Trav Bell, uh, I was, uh, most of my goals were around business, were around my finances, were, you know, how am I going to grow my business? What are my goals for my business? I didn't have a lot of personal goals. I didn't know that it should tie in as much as it does. My bucket list blueprint is all around having personal goals, personal and business goals. So we actually take our our to-do list and our, and our business plan, and we put it inside of our bucket list instead of the other way around. Because when we leave our personal goals to ourselves and we, we, we have our, our to-do list and our business plan and our us goals, which ones usually get left behind? Yeah. You know, it's usually our personal goals, right? So this way we kind of jumble things around and we put all that stuff inside that bucket list. So now we have to pay attention to everything. Um, so personal goals, fitness, I'll just give you, give you one. Um, I wrote down do a 5K because I had a couple of participants in, in one of my programs say they wanted to do a 5K for part of ultimate challenge. So that's the you. And I was like, no, I'm not going to do that. But of course, couple of weeks later, I, I reconsidered because I'm the bucket list coach. So I'm supposed to be encouraging people to do things and then I'm not doing them. That's not right. So I signed up for it and I started training and I did a quarter mile or a half mile that first day. I didn't think I could do it. I, I certainly was not looking at that whole 5k, you know, 3.1 miles. I was looking at, oh my, I, I, I hate running. I'll walk, but it'll take me forever. And the, the challenge was to run, to, to run it. So I, I ran that quarter mile. And then the next week I ran a half mile. Then the next week I ran 0.75. And then the next week I, I was up to a mile and it wasn't going real fast, but I, I just upped it every week, just a little bit, a little bit more, a little bit more. So I was taking those bite-sized chunks out and uh, just moving, moving down the road. And I eventually finished it. And had I not set that goal and taken those actions, there's no way I would have accomplished it. Had I just said, I'm going to do a 5K and then time would have just come and gone. I wouldn't have set a dot. I wouldn't have set a deadline. I wouldn't have set uh, a timeline on, on my training goals. It's so important to have things written down and to make sure that you are focused on them and they're a priority. Mm -hmm. Can you tell me about the people that you work with? How have you helped them get confidence and confidence in you? Yeah, thanks. Uh, so uh, I, have, I have a lot of examples. I'm going to give you two because conquer a fear is the C, the first C in, in, in my bucket list blueprint. Uh, so, and that is one of the biggest confidence boosters is when somebody can conquer a fear, they can really do anything. 
So one example is this young lady uh, who, was, who, who lived on her own. She was in a program and we got to conquer a fear. And she hesitantly said that she's afraid of the dark. She's like, I'm afraid of the dark. I, I, I sleep with every light in my apartment on. And I don't have a boyfriend because I'm ashamed that I, there's no way he's coming over. I don't have very many friends come hang out with me because I want them to do that. And um, one of the rules in our, in our programs is that there's an, it's a judgment-free zone. So everybody was on board with that and they, they, they supported her. Part of the program is coming up with a plan and how are we gonna, how are we gonna overcome that? So we came up, she came up with her plan. She's like, okay, well, I can turn the light off in the living room when I go to bed. So I'll do that for a while. And then I can turn this other light off. And, and that'll work. And then I can, and then maybe, maybe I'll be able to sleep with all the lights off. It's like, oh, super, go for it. Well, I went back about a month later and she just came running up to me like, I did it. I did it. I sleep with my lights off. It is, it's absolutely amazing. I sleep with them off. Now, if I wake up to go to the bathroom, I'll leave the bathroom light on. <laughs> like, that's great. That's absolutely amazing. She, she taught herself how to alleviate a fear by building that confidence that she could do it. And she absolutely did it and she crushed it. Great. So that's, that's just one, one little example. Like and the ripple effect on that yeah. is just huge. She, she actually went swimming as well, terrified of, of water. And, and she went swimming. She was planning to go swimming the next day of the follow-up. Confidence is everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, that is great. And what do you do to help boost your confidence if there's an area that you're struggling with? Just like I mentioned with, with my training program, you know, that wasn't any, I didn't have a trainer. I just looked it up and saw education, I guess, because I, I, I didn't know how to do it. I didn't know how to train for a 5k when I hadn't run before. Well, I had run, so I don't want to say I haven't ever run, but it's been a long, long time, <laughs> but I've ran 3.1 miles. And, and, you know, since that was only a year ago, and since then, I continued to run. So it's it's just been part of my my normal workout now. So it, it, it was great. But education, when you're when you're educated and you understand what you need to do, that's given me confidence. And I know it's given a lot of my participants and other people I know confidence. You can you can plan all you want, but if you don't know how to do something, you're probably not going to be as confident as if you know how. Now there's a pushing that education a little bit too far, that learning too far, and then just constantly being in the learning phase and never getting out of that and never taking action. So it's, it's have a plan, have a goal, have a plan, do some learning, take that action. And that's what really is going to get you confident. It, it help, works for me anyway. And I know it works for participants. So it's not just me. I know that you'd played football in, in your younger days. That's one of those ones where the more you practice, the more confident you are that you'll be able to accomplish whatever that play is, whatever that task is. How have, how have you seen that as you've gotten older and gone into being an attorney, being prepared before you go into some sort of a meeting? How, <laughs> does that help your confidence a little bit? <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, I, I used to do a lot of litigation. So I used to be in, in court a lot. Uh, not any longer, haven't been for, for quite a while because they strictly estate planning and, and probate. There's not really a whole lot of courtroom time. But yes, I used to have trials and sometimes I would have a hearing that I would not put as much time into. And yeah, absolutely. I was, I was 
a bit fearful, but I, I you know, I, I kind of knew my stuff. I, well, I did. I knew my stuff and I would usually win anyway. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but if I hadn't prepared as much, I'm not as confident. But when I'm prepared and I know exactly what's going on, I know every bit about the case, just been there from the beginning to the end. And here we are, a lot of confidence. And it shows for everybody that's there that, that I'm confident I got this. Now, when I was at the University of Minnesota, I was in theater arts, which was right next to the law school. And they would often call upon us to come over and role play the jury. And they would go through all of the trial things and we would sit there and pretend we would act as if we were paying attention. (laughs) The interesting thing was that there were some people that were very good at presenting as litigation or as an attorney at that point. And there were some that were mortified. Mm-hmm. What have you seen as far as people's confidence in public speaking? Because that is one of the number one fears. Right, right, right. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> most people do not want to do public speaking. And most of our programs involve a little bit of interaction. It's smaller groups, you know, anywhere from 10 to 20 people. But even that sometimes intimidates them. But the more they participate, and the more they do it, and the more they speak to the group, the more confident they become. And I, I know that's absolutely true with my speaking career, I guess. I, I guess it is kind of a career because that's what I do. I speak. My first big public speech was really, really embarrassing. But I, I, I'm, I'm kind of glad or kind of wish I had a video of it. Uh-huh. Uh, but it was, it was literally my hands are attached to the podium, like almost glued to the podium and I was looking straight down just like this at my note cards and then I will <laughs> where, where, just like reading it where was this at uh so it was at the state convention for future business leaders of America I was running for treasurer and when I found out that I had to give a speech in front of this this group of 300 students I was like nah that's all right I'm not I'm not gonna do it and of course my my teacher was like, no, you're doing it. It's too late to back out now. I'm like, well, you didn't tell me that I had to give a speech. It's like, what'd you expect? <laughs> so, yeah, and since then, I, I, it's just grown and grown and grown. And now one of my bucket list items is to, to do a TED Talk and to <laughs> speak in front of an audience of 5,000 people. So <laughs> over the years, my confidence has grown. And really over the last three years, it's it's really, really grown since I've been doing the bucket list coaching. Uh-huh. And let's talk about that. What, how does that work? The, the bucket list workshop, how do you facilitate that or how does that work? Okay. Yeah, thanks. Uh, there are a couple different programs that we do. Uh, one of them is an hour and a half, three hour program, depending on if we're doing it live or on Zoom. Recently, they've been on Zoom where we go through the My Bucket List Blueprint and put together a vision board based on the all, three, all 12 letters. People get a visual reminder of what their to-do list is, their new to-do list, their bucket list, not their to-do list, sorry about that, correct myself. Uh, so they get a visual reminder of their bucket list and all of the items that they've written down as goals to pursue. And we encourage short-term goals. So remember those little bite-sized, those things that we know we can get a win at, medium-sized goals, something that's going to take maybe one or two years. They're not sure how they're going to get it done because that's what makes it a goal. 
And that's what makes it a reach and a challenge. And then the long-term, maybe five, 10 years down the road, that's where people put the yachts and the planes and the thing, that's fantastic. But, but we do want something that's, that's doable. We, we want something that you're, maybe you're not exactly sure how you're gonna do it, like the 5K. I, I knew that was absolutely doable. I didn't know quite sure how I was gonna do it, but I knew I could do it within four months, five months. And I did, we break it down like that. So that's the bucket list board workshop where we put the vision board together. Okay. And then the longer program is the bucket list life plan. And we also have a bucket list business life plan. So we work with uh, companies and implement the same type of strategies as we do with the life plan. Life plan is just for private individuals. The business plan is with the um, corporates. So that's a 12 week or a 12 hour program. So an hour a week for 12 weeks. And we touch on one letter every week. And we go through the letter, we go through what we call a reverse bucket list. So that's what you've already done, you've already accomplished. And, and that gives people a sense of gratitude, the gratitude that they've actually accomplished something or maybe even more than they've ever thought of. Uh, because we don't always give ourselves time to reflect on all the great things that we've done because society has us so worried about what we need to accomplish in the future. So take a minute, Reflect on what you've done, what you've accomplished, and what you have. Give yourself some gratitude, and then we can move forward. And then we plan out the, the rest of the, the, uh, the goals, and then we move on from there to the next one. And then we work on each one of those goals every week as well. And by the time we're done with that 12th week, we've got that whole compound effect of doing small bites of things, working towards your bucket list, throwing your bucket list here and putting your work list and your to-do list inside that bucket list. And, and you've got a, a good work-life blend, not work-life balance, work-life blend. And I know that a lot of people really take great pride in checking things off of their bucket list. One of the things that I know, like when I do a project around the house, I have a habit of getting myself one tool to congratulate myself for a job well done. And even if I'm putting in a wax ring on the toilet seat, I might get a Sawzall or something out of the deal just because, and that's how I celebrate that I didn't have to call someone to come in and actually fix the stuff. How do you celebrate your victories? Perfect. And by the way, that's, that's the B, buy that something special. So you can write those down now and you can say, okay, I, I got it. Buy that something special. <laughs> and that's now it's on your bucket list and you've, you've congratulated yourself by accomplishing that. So... <laughs> Excellent. Uh, um, similar things, you know, rewards, uh, just simply just the, the self-gratification and, and the gratitude, the gratitude of accomplishing something is sometimes all it takes. I don't always need a physical reward or physical award. It's nice to have those things every once in a while. Um, I was bucket list coach of the year, 2019. Yeah, that was a nice award. And I got to get, get up in front of a, a, a crowd of about 300 business people and, and give a little acceptance speech. So working my way towards that 5,000. <laughs> nice. Uh, so the rewards are good. The internal ones are, are the best, I think. Uh -huh. um, when, people, when people feel a sense of accomplishment and they know they can now do something more and they have memories, they have experiences. So it's not always about the, the thing. And that, that's great that you have you know, your, your trophy <laughs> yeah. for, for doing your thing that's fantastic screwdriver whatever everybody, yeah everybody's gonna have their 
own reward for doing what they want to do. Just like everybody's bucket list is going to be different. I don't expect you to have the same thing I do or any of the participants in any of my programs. And sometimes I will steal their ideas. Sometimes they'll steal mine. And that's perfectly fine too. But as far as rewards and awards, that's going to be individual as well. So it just really depends on what makes people tick. And that's really why these programs are so important to corporate America. Uh, a lot of corporations or businesses are, are dependent on, oh, here's your bonus check. When, when people are like, oh, that's nice, but maybe they would have liked the trophy instead. Maybe they would have liked the day off. Maybe they would have liked to go on a group picnic. I don't know. You're going to find that out when you take your employees through the bucket list program because they're going to tell you what motivates them. And that's the fantastic thing about it. And you're set up to do it both for individuals and for organizations? Right. Mm -hmm. Okay. One, one other thing that interests me is we don't always check that stuff off our list. We don't always win when we're going to court. We don't always succeed at the 5K. What do you do when you either fail or have a setback or don't accomplish it? How do you pick yourself back up and have the confidence to try again? <laughs> Shake yourself off. <laughs> or as... Uh... Taylor, Taylor Swift says it, shake it off, shake it off. Shake it off. <laughs> really, that, that's, that's what you have to do. You know? yeah. Take a couple minutes, complain about it, cry about it, and, and uh, reset. Really, it's, it's, it, and I guess that, that's really what it is. It's reset. I don't know anybody that doesn't have some emotional tie to losing or not winning or not getting their way uh, or failing. Uh, but if you look at a failure as one more step to success, you can reframe what a failure is. Sometimes we say, well, if we're not trying hard enough, we're not going to fail. Because if we try hard at something we've never done before and we fail, okay, well, that's great. Some people don't try that hard, so they never fail. And then they never know what they could have accomplished. So really looking at, at your situation in a form of gratitude. It's going to come back to gratitude of what I have accomplished and why I failed and reflect on that and, and get rid of the negativity towards failing. Mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a stepping stone to getting to a win. Yeah, I like that reverse bucket idea where you make a list of what you've accomplished to see where you're at, because a lot of us will look at that glass half empty and mm -hmm. say what we don't have rather than what we do have. And I think that's really important to see where we've come, where we started, because a lot of us have come a long way, but we are keep, we keep looking at that where we want to go. And if it's a binary thing, we're either there or we're not there and nothing else counts. And so that gets to be a little disheartening for people sometimes. I don't know if you have a way of coaching people through that. or <laughs> Yeah, that, that's part of the program. It really is. And uh, people say 12 weeks, it's a bucket list. I'm like, yes, 12 weeks, it's a bucket list. But you've been taught to give up on your dreams, to give up on the things that you want to do, that you've aspired to do, that you used to love to do because it was dumb or it doesn't have anything to do with your family. It doesn't have anything to do with your work. It doesn't have anything to do with you creating more wealth or it's not all about wealth. Yes. The ultimate challenge or proud achievements. We can build some wealth. We can do that. I'm not discouraging that at all. I'm actually encouraging it, encouraging bigger and better dreams. Mm -hmm. uh, we've been taught for so long to put those things away, put, put away 
how to express yourself, put away taking lessons. You're an adult now. What do you need to take a lesson for? I'm saying it's time to bring those things back. Bring those things back that gave you all of that purpose, meaning, satisfaction in life and, and find, the, find new things that'll bring that meaning, satisfaction and purpose back into life. I read somewhere that you're, at the end, your life should be full of memories, not dreams. Exactly. Yes, exactly. No I regrets. Make, yes. I want to make sure that we talk about the Voices for Children of Broward County. All right. You're on the board of directors there. Can you tell us about that? Sure. Uh, so Voices for Children of Broward County supports abused, neglected, and abandoned children right here in Broward County, Florida. Most of them have take, been taken away from their parents or, like, or, or abandoned and placed with either a foster care, a foster care home or a relative placement. A lot of times they're taken out of their home and they get a garbage bag full of their things. And that's all they get to leave with. So that's all they have. So Voices for Children does some of the uh, gap items where they're not going to get from the school. They're not going to get from some of the other services that are provided to them. Things as simple as a pair of sneakers for gym class, uh, a laptop if, if necessary, an iPad, a backpack, backpacks for school. Uh, a lot of them don't have backpacks. So one of our annual drives is a backpack drive where we fill them with school supplies and, and make sure that every kid, that at least every kid that we can, can get to um, has a backpack. There are a lot of other programs that come along with that. That's basically what Voices for Children does and Great. on the board of that. So, yeah. Well, thank you for being a part of that. As we go out here, is there any tip that you could leave us with that would help people to gain or maintain their confidence? Boy, just, just look at a goal, even if you don't think you can do it, and then start taking those bite-sized pieces out. I've already said it, but that's, that's my, my biggest piece of advice I can get is, is don't be afraid of the big goal because there are a lot of little steps to get there and you got to take that first step before you can get to the end. Excellent. Well, thank you very much. Thank you for being here today. Thank you for having me. All right. Good luck with everything. Bye-bye. Bye. Today's tip for collecting confidence is to don't be afraid of the big goals. They're only made up of smaller goals. This has been the Collecting Confidence Podcast. Thank you for joining me. I'm John Barrett.